Right, okay. Before I start, uh, this morning I was looking at a couple of psalms and we've just been singing about worshipping God. It just reminds me again of the shortest psalm of all, 117, where it says, Praise the Lord, all nations, extol him, all peoples. For great is his steadfast love towards us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. Just sort of reminded me again that our God is faithful. And so in all the situations uh, we go through, we can trust him. Before I go on to uh, what I'm going to be speaking on today, is something I want to uh, say to everyone. Uh, last week, Paul brought a very good uh, picture and uh, explained it to us uh, during the service. When I was summing up at the end, what I thought I was doing was that I was taking that and expanding on it a bit and uh, because it was such an encouragement. Unfortunately, the way I did that seemed to give the impression that I was somehow uh, correcting Paul, which was not my intention. So Paul, I want to apologise for doing that. And during the week, Sam and I have had a chat, and uh, Sam's given me some wise advice. So let's go on to where we're going on to now. Right. On January the 3rd, when we had our first meeting, as Sam mentioned, God gave us a word uh, based from 1 Corinthians 16, verse 8. But I will stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost because a great door for effective work has opened to me, and there are many who oppose me. A great door for effective work. This year there will be a door for effective work open to us. We need to be alert and recognise the opportunity when it's given. In this passage, Paul's effective work was to the Gentiles. And so for us, the effective work will not be a good works project, but an opportunity to share the gospel and for the Holy Spirit to change lives. And there are many who oppose me. We must be prepared for opposition, which doesn't just mean we are to expect it, it means we are to prepare for it, get our house in order, put into practice the training we have received, get close to God, get stuck into his word, and use our spiritual gifts effectively. We need to remind ourselves of who we are in Christ and why we're here and then start believing it. We already have the victory. Paul gave himself a time frame. I will stay at Ephesus until Pentecost, in which to complete the work. <coughs> this will not be a lengthy project, it will just be for this year, and we'll have an end time, so we must put everything we have into the work for the time we are given to do it. Right, my job today is to talk on the second uh, section, when I was been looking at it, thinking about it, praying about it, there's an awful lot there. And I realised fairly quickly that either I could try talking about all the bits of it and just sort of skim over, or I needed to select a few parts. So I've selected the two parts I think are the most uh, relevant and most important for us from this, which happens to be the beginning and the end. And if I get a chance to fill in on anything in the middle uh, during the time, I will. Right. 
Could we have section two back up? Can that work? <coughs> right. The section two in the ex expansion on there, many who oppose me, says we must be prepared for opposition. Thank you. I think the most important word actually in all of this is the word we. If you notice, if you read through uh, what the word says, nowhere does it say you. It's always we. So who does we refer to? It refers to us as the church. And I think it's important that we get on board that this is a word for the church. The church is of prime importance. And, for example, we find in Acts chapter 20 and verse 28, where Paul is talking to the church leaders at Ephesus uh, just uh, before he goes back uh, to Jerusalem. And at the end of this verse, and I've lost myself, here we go, he says this, Take care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. The church is precious to God. It was obtained by Jesus' blood being shed. I think coming from a Western culture, we tend to put, and particularly I think in English culture, we put a very strong emphasis on the individual. And so therefore, we put an emphasis on the individual being saved, about Jesus dying for the sins of the individual. And of course that is true. But Jesus did not die on the cross to get lots of individuals out of hell and into heaven. Primarily. He did do that, but that wasn't the goal. Jesus died on the cross so that there would be a church to be his bride. Now that church is made up of individuals and those individuals come to a saving faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. But the church is of prime importance to Jesus. And therefore, when we're thinking about our response to this, I think it's something that's just come out already. The importance is it's our response as a church. It's the importance of us working together as a church. I'll come back to the church a bit more later. The last part of this section reminds us that we already have the victory. I think victory is a phrase which we often use in the 
uh, Christian life. You know, you can get, I don't know how many books on how to live a Victorian Christian life. And we use the word victory a lot. So I thought, when I looked up, would look up in a concordance, that I would have a problem that there'd be vast numbers of verses talking about victory, and I'd have difficulty knowing which ones to use. Actually, if you look up victory, to my surprise, in a concordance, and you're looking for the New Testament, there's only actually really two places in the New Testament where the word victory is used. Uh, it's used a few times in each of those places, but that's all. Now, it doesn't mean that victory isn't important in the Bible. In a sense, the whole Bible is talking about the victory of God. And it's possibly, in a sense, because it is so overarching across everything, that it doesn't actually get referred to always specifically. But when I looked up these places where victory is mentioned, I thought that what they actually said was very relevant to where we are at the moment. So the first section I'm going to look at is 1 John, the first letter of John, chapter 5 and verses 1 to 5. And this is what he says there. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? This central part of the word we've been given is talking about opposition and being prepared for opposition. Now, as some people have pointed out, Often, if you want to know what happens at the end, you, you, know, you might sort of want, not want to know what's happening in the middle and find out from the end of the book what happens at the end. Well, we know that despite, no matter what happens in terms of opposition, we have the victory. We know from the, these words that the victory is for everyone who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So, therefore, everyone who is a Christian has the victory. Therefore, everyone who is a Christian is able to overcome the world. Therefore, any opposition will not be able to stand up. Notice that when it talks about the victory, it says, this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. It's not our faith in the fact that we will overcome. It's not our faith in the fact that we will have the victory. Whether we have victory or not is not dependent on uh, what we are thinking about, feeling about it at the time. It is dependent on the fact 
that Jesus is the Son of God. It is dependent on the fact that he died on the cross, defeating Satan, and rose again victorious. So therefore, the victory which God gives is something he gives to all of his people. It is not something that you have to start worrying about if some opposition comes, have I got enough faith that we will overcome in this situation? The thing is, if there is opposition, we will overcome because we belong to Jesus, because we are part of his church. We need to get in our mindset the fact that Jesus is the one who rules over this whole universe. He sustains everything. Therefore, when we trust him as being the Son of God, we therefore are safe in him. The other time where victory gets mentioned in the New Testament actually is in the chapter before the one which the verse we uh, keep referring back to comes from. So, and that comes in 1 Corinthians and chapter 15 uh, from verse 54. There's a bit, bit of an introduction to this which I won't go into, but it's worth reading if you, when you have, you have time. But from verse 54 he says, When the perishable puts on the imperishable, I know it's a bit, uh, the language is a bit pictorial, but bear with me. And the mortal puts on immortality. Then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? For the sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, where it's talking about victory, it's talking about victory in the context of sin, in the context of uh, attacks from Satan. But, we know that Jesus has been victorious at the cross, we know that Jesus is coming back again and at the final judgment all Satan and all those involved with him will be judged and the effects they currently have will no longer be around. But we are in this intermediate stage where Satan is not totally bound, he is still able to affect people on earth. But the time is coming when those of us who are mortal and will die will become immortal. Our current bodies which can perish and decay will no longer perish decay. And death will be finally defeated. And Jesus has that victory over death. So, we're in, we know that the final victory is with Jesus. We know that we are with Jesus. 
and he's put us in his church, so the final victory is with us. But we also know that in our experience now, we don't always see all of that. And sometimes the difficulty is being able to remain, keep our confidence in God in that all that he will do in granting victory when we are going through the difficulties of life, we're going through the effects that our bodies are currently are perishable. It's sometimes difficult to keep our trust in the fact that the victory is there. But again, I think this comes in towards the end of that second bit where it says we need to remind ourselves of who we are in Christ and why we are here and then start believing it. Because in Christ we are part of his new creation. We are here because he wants his church to be his ambassadors in this world at this time. How do we start believing it? It's not, belief is not usually shown in what you think, although you need to think things first. Fundamentally, what you believe is shown in what you do. Because if something, you think something, but it doesn't have any effects on what you do, it's a thought. If you believe something, you then respond and act. And in this word, it does talk about things to do. It says we must be prepared for opposition, which doesn't just mean we are to expect it, it means we are to prepare for it, to get our house in order. One of the things I think of getting our house in order is in terms of the church is our relationships one with another. If you're thinking of as uh, this bit is, we're thinking that it's opposition you get when you go out into attack, not opposition in which you're mainly on the defensive. And if you think of if you've been watching, uh, forget what they called it now, uh, the sort of uh, uh, Saxon England, the last kingdom, that's it, about Wessex. You know, there's, I don't know if you've noticed, but there's an awful lot of books and programs now on what makes the English the English. But, and that sort of is one of them. But there, if you're fighting in that kind of context, hand to hand, you are dependent on the people on each side of you behind you. So therefore your relationships with the people either side of you are important. If we allow relationships between us to get uh, frosty or we've sort of uh, got tensions between us, that means that there then becomes weaknesses. Now if I can take Unfortunately, the example of myself from last week, Paul could have just 
left things, but he got in contact with me and we talked it through. So that we don't, neither of us wanted something to happen which would cause a tension between us. So we made sure it didn't. Now, when you're having to do that sort of thing, it's not always necessarily the uh, most pleasant thing for you personally, from either side. But we need to be realistic. If we're going to try and uh, avoid all kinds of unpleasantness to us individually, that can mean that we're then leaving things to fester. Now, of course, we need wisdom in this. <coughs> there are lots of situations where something might cause uh, some tension and you need to just think, look, that's not important. I'm not going to let it cause tension between me. It's not an issue. There are other ones where things are more important and it needs to be dealt with. So there isn't a case that we have to sort of nitpick over every little thing. But there is a case of us choosing not to let things cause tension between one another. And it's a choice we have, and we then take action. Put into practice the training we've received. You know, we've been teaching a lot over the last, uh, well, we're always teaching in terms of preaching. But again, it's a bit like beliefs. Things are no use if they're not actually put into action. To get close to God and get stuck into his word. These are things I find difficult at times. And at times I have to keep coming back to it. Now I know Sam and some others are working on reading through the Bible in a year and certainly encourage you to read the bits of the Bible which you don't normally read. Because most of us will have bits we, which are, speak particularly to us, but if we only look at those, we're missing out on the whole wisdom of God. I've attempted to read through the Bible in the year in the past, and I've never yet succeeded. I think the shortest I've done it in is 18 months. But you have a choice. You might go out, aim to read through the Bible in a year and you find you miss a day. You might be able to catch up, you might not. You've then got a choice. You can either say, I'm not going to do it in a year and give up. Or you can say, I'm probably not going to do it in a year, but I'm going to keep going. You know, we have choices to make. And if some things don't work out the way we initially hope or plan, the thing is not to give up, but to keep going with what God's shown us. We need to use our spiritual gifts effectively. We've been speaking on that. So, can I encourage you all, continue developing the spiritual gifts God's given you and using them. And to bring it to an end, at the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, after the bit I just read, in verse 58... This is what Paul says. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labour is not in vain.
Let us remember as we respond to this word God's given to us. The labour we bring to the Lord is not in vain. So, uh, I'm just going to spend a a little bit of time um, just talking about point three of the word that we have. And point three says this, says that Paul gave himself a time frame. He said, I will stay at Ephesus until Pentecost in which to complete the work. This will not be a lengthy project. It is just for this year and will have an end time. So we must put everything we have into the work for the time that we are given to do it. Now, Marcus Aurelius, he was a Roman emperor. Paul's not in, so I know I'm on the right track here. He's a Roman emperor and he was a philosopher. And he's, he's quoted as saying this. Well, I think he actually wrote this. He said that time is a sort of river of passing events and strong is its current. No sooner is a thing brought to sight that, that, than it is swept by and another takes its place. And this too will be swept away. Another great philosopher of more recent times. He said something along the same lines. He said, how did it get so late so soon? It's night before it's afternoon. December is here before it's June. My goodness, how the time has flown. How did it get so late so soon? Now that great philosopher's name was Dr. Zeus. Okay, maybe not a great philosopher, but I like his work anyway. So we got two quotes from two philosophical giants. They're expressing something that I think many of us, if not all of us, can relate to. A sense of surprise and perhaps even frustration with, you know, the fleeting nature of life. It feels like we can move from one event to the next before we've really had time to process what has happened. I know that definitely had times in my life where it feels like, feels like, like that. Just barely had time to catch up with what's going on before we're moving on to the next thing. Steph and I, we've uh, recently started leading a, a growth group with the youth. Uh, there's three of us, that, uh, three of the, of the young guys and me and Steph that meet on a regular basis. And at the beginning of the year, we did something very deliberate. We set ourselves some spiritual goals for 2016. We recognise that as followers of Jesus, we are to be serious about becoming more and more like Jesus. And with that in mind, we spent some time thinking about how we can, intention, how we can live intentionally in pursuing what is really important to us. And I found an excellent resource, uh, I think it was through the Scripture Union website, that took us through how we can think about setting goals for the next year, and that's exactly what we did. And we set goals in the following areas that we wanted to see ourselves growing in. Our relationship with God, aspects of our character that we wanted to grow in, how we were investing in church, in family, and in friendships, how we wanted to grow in personal evangelism, and also in other practical things. Maybe we wanted to learn a new skill. Maybe we wanted to put, build in some good habits into our lifestyle. But we sat down and we set these goals individually that we wanted to see ourselves growing in in the next year, being really intentional about it. We then shared our goals together. It wasn't just for us to keep to ourselves, but we shared them as a group. And we're coming back to them over the course of the year. Every two weeks, every month or so, we're going to keep coming back to them and sharing with one another how we're doing in each of them. This is something that I'm doing with them as well. It's not just something I've asked the guys to do, but I've set my goals as well, and I'm sharing with them how I'm doing. So we're sharing how we're doing. We're encouraging one another. We're looking to help one another, to build one another up. We're looking to be accountable with one another, to have that openness where we can be honest about what we're doing well in, what we're not doing 
so well in. And I know this is something that Steph's done with the mums group as well. Uh, I think it was last week they sat down and they set some goals as well that they're going to be looking to achieve. So why did we do this? Why did we take the time to sit down? Why did we take the time to be intentional about what we want to achieve in the next year? The answer is actually quite simple. The answer is because life is busy. Because there are so many demands on our time and our attention. A lot of these things are urgent. So it could be school, jobs, chores, meetings, appointments, DIY, things that have to get done around the house, things that crop up and that have to be attended to. And the, the potential danger we have is that we can end up prioritising the urgent over the important. We can end up prioritising the urgent over the important. You know, they're, they're, these are things that demand our time and they can potentially distract us from what is eternally important. And as a growth group with youth, we want to be deliberate and invest in what is eternally important. Not just to be caught up by the things that demand our time and demand our attention, but to be intentional. No, this has eternal significance, this has eternal importance, so I'm going to make sure I give the time and attention and care to those things. So why am I saying this? Because as a church, the work that God has specifically spoken to us about, it will not be a lengthy project. God has told us it's going to be just for the year and it's going to have an end time. We need to be deliberate about what we do. We need to prioritise the important over the urgent. We need to make sure we're prioritising, giving ourselves to what God is going to be calling us to in the busyness of life to put everything that we have into the work for the time that we've been given to do it. A year is not actually a, a very long time in the sense that a year can go by and before you realise it, you're kind of thinking, what have I actually done in the year? We're already a good way through February, already into this year. Last week, uh, the aspects of this word that I picked up on, we were looking at what this door for effective work would look like, what this window of opportunity would look like, and God told us it's going to be about sharing the gospel. It's about seeing the Holy Spirit changing lives. These have eternal importance and eternal significance. When we're talking about the gospel being shared, we're looking for people to respond, that their eternities would be transformed, that their eternities would be secured, that they would go from being enemies of God to being sons and daughters of God, to enjoying relationship with him for eternity. It is so important that we give ourselves to prioritising these things. Ephesians 2, I touched on it last week, I think I, I read it out. But from verse 8 to 10 it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We have been created for good works. God has purpose. God has intentionally prepared beforehand works for us to take hold of and works for us to walk into and to be involved in. This door for effective work has been prepared beforehand by God for us to walk in, but we're the ones that have to walk in it. You know, when, when setting spiritual goals, I think it could be quite easy to think if I just try harder, if I just put in more effort into these areas, like Mike was saying about... Uh, with um, reading, getting into the Word and reading the Word. And we can think, I just need to be, just put in a bit more effort. I just need to try harder. But actually, I don't think it is a matter of trying harder. 
I think when we're setting ourselves goals, when we're giving ourselves to the things that have eternal significance, it's not a matter of trying harder, but it's a work of the Holy Spirit as we open our lives to him. Because it's only through the Holy Spirit and through his work, through his leading, through his empowering, that we're actually going to be able to grow in these things and we're going to be able to, to step into those things and press on. We need to open our lives to the Holy Spirit in terms of being alert and recognising the opportunity, which is what we were looking at last week. We're totally dependent on the Holy Spirit in that. And also in our preparation, the things that Mike was talking through today, getting our house in order, uh, putting the the teaching that we've had into practice, going deeper into the Word, using our spiritual gifts effectively. If we're just trying to do it in our own strength, we just think if we can just try a bit harder, just put a bit more effort in, I don't think we're actually going to get very far. But we have to partner with the Holy Spirit to open our lives to Him, to allow Him to come and take us on and to see us pressing through and going further in those things. We need to be deliberate in all these things. We need to be given everything that we have. And here's something that all of us need to think about. What's it going to look like for you to be alert in terms of having an awareness of what God is leading us into as a church. What's that going to look like for you? What's it going to look like for you to prepare yourself for this work that God has for us as a church? And Mike's absolutely right. This is a word for us as a church, but we all have individual responsibility in that. So what's it going to look like for you to get yourself prepared? We have it, God said we've got a year for this. I don't want to miss out on anything that God has for us. So I'm speaking to myself here. What am I doing to get myself ready? What am I doing to be alert? What am I doing to give myself the best opportunity to recognise the opportunity when it comes along? But it's something that all of us need to be asking because we're in this together. This is a word that God gave us as a family. God gave us as a church. So all of us need to be thinking about what's it going to look like for us to to be deliberate and getting ourselves ready. I just want to finish very quickly by... Just taking us back to a couple of the words that were brought last week, because uh, really they did most of the work for me this morning. The first one was what Jill brought, and just this word of urgency. Not kind of uh, just meandering around, and she's had this picture of all of us gathering outside together on the grass area, and some, and, you know, it's a sense of uh, some people just taking their time and gathering all their belongings and kind of just walking through, having a chat with people when they're going through. But she sensed it was more like when a fire alarm goes off, you just get up and you get out and you go. Just this real sense of urgency. And that's what God has spoken over us. We don't know, I think as well, she picked up on the fact that we don't know how many days we have. Every day, absolutely every day is a gift from God. We don't know how many days we have. So we need to live each day with purpose, with a real sense of purpose and direction. And Lou as well, if I get this wrong, Lou, you have permission to shout out and tell me off. No one else does. Uh, It was a word particularly for those who are are older, that have been around for a while, maybe not quite sure what more they have to bring. They've kind of been here, seen it, almost seen it, done it, maybe been disappointed in the past, not sure actually what they have to input. Just this sense came through of do not disqualify yourself at all. Because this is for all of us. It's not dependent on age or ability. But you bring what you have and you allow God to use you however he would want to use you. 
give everything that you have. So as we put everything we have into the work for the time we're given to do it, we are actually investing in what is eternally important, what has eternal significance for the gospel to be shared and for the Holy Spirit to change lives. But we have to give everything that we have to be intentional, to be purposeful about it. Because time flies. Before you know it, you'll be look, you can be looking back and just thinking, where, where's the time gone? And what have we done? So let's, as a church, be really intentional about this. Let's encourage one another, spur one another on, push one another on. Because we want to, to see God doing everything that he would want to do in us and through us in this coming year. So can we have the band up? We're going to come back into a time of worship.